We've got two poems by Nigel Lewis Stevenson. Al Crowder's 12 Steps to Natural Gardening. It's all about the food web underneath the surface of your lawn. Feed it with organic matter and it will thrive. If you have Japanese beetles, try Milky Spore. It's an organic situation that creates microorganisms that invade Japanese beetle larvae. can learn all of this and more in Al Crowder's 12 Steps to Natural Gardening. That's K-R-A-U-T-T-E-R. This is Douglas Day with another episode of Book Smart. Good morning, Nigel. Hello, sir. Nigel, you have two poems for us today. Yes, sir. Sir, you have a call, sir. Line three, sir. Douglas Day. They don't have bones. Douglas Day. Mice don't have bones. Nigel. Sorry, sir. Line two, sir. Douglas Day. Need anything from down the shop? Uh, no thank you. All right. Nigel, are you ready for your poems? Yes, sir. I give you Nigel Lewis Stevenson. Need anything from down the shop? All right. These are two poems by Nigel from his Oxford series, Preliminary Journey, Part 2. His traveler's checks cashed. I bought into the village a succubus and filed each young man below the age of 14 to present their lower leg for the teeth to sink in. Hear me, O sons of the village, I bellowed. From that which was taken from you was given back to you. Nurse your wounds gingerly with never a care for prestige, money, fast cars, or fame. Throw off your ponchos, your glasses, and your bonhomie. Present your legs thuswise, exampled I, then cauterize their punctures with a red-hot stick. Preliminary Journey, Part 3 Now, as time went on, I came to hear their voices with brand new ears. The village elders flung flames into my inner ear, plundering down the slopes of my being, scolding me for my highfalutin behavior. They shred my right forearm, I write to you now, not without difficulty using my left, and hung me by my fingers, ears, and nose. The rest... Add mixture of jungle roots till I co-aligned with their visions, their gut-born divisions. Ooing and eyeing with the best of them, the succubus reeling, the smoke rings revealing, my heart ever beating, retreating into the calm rectitude of early childhood. Loved, ground, stuck, studying, an anthill. As my second assistant stood yonder, cupping his balls, hiccuping phrases, spitting vows, his words halfway tween, a grimace and a growl. I hear a voice like an echo chain calling me on back again. I see your eyes crystal blue, clear as day, calling me on back to you. Through the hemlock I can see smoke rising, signaling me I will wait. By the rivers of the fall, wind whistles and I hear you call.
voice of an angel belongs to Jen Grant from Halifax, Nova Scotia. This is Mortimer Page. Thank you, Mortimer. Mr. Ross, how are you today? I'm good, Douglas. How are you doing? Tip-top. Bah! Mr. Ross, what did you think of Nigel's poetry? I liked it. I always liked Nigel's poetry. I think what I especially like is that he's sort of telling a story about this strange situation that this gentleman is in with these village elders, and he has what seems to be a series of assistants. It has me intrigued, to say the least. Thank you, sir. Mr. Ross, how many more chapters to go? Are we going to get him out of Kentucky? Well, Douglas, uh, this chapter 27 and 28 are brand new chapters, so what I'm thinking is probably another chapter, then chapter 29, and chapter 30, and that may be it. So that's three more visits, three more episodes. I suppose so. And what are your plans, Mr. Ross? What what do you hope to do with this hard water manuscript? Well, I hope to spend some time somewhere at some sort of writing residency, uh putting it through a final revision, and then I suppose I need to find a literary agent and a publishing house. 
Or I could go the route of publishing it myself. I haven't made up my mind yet. I'm kicking around the, um, the uh, what's it called? The uh, Kickstarter. Yeah, the Kickstarter. I'm kicking that around. So we'll see. But, you know, I've got to finish writing the book first. Indeed. Whenever you're ready, Mr. Ross, yam on. Thanks, Douglas. And by the way, Mr. Ross, I wouldn't completely rule out self-publishing. After all, we know that Mr. Walt Whitman, Mr. William Blake, and I believe Mr. E. A. Poe all self-published. Good point, Douglas. Anything we need to know about Chapter 27? Well, it is a bit different. I don't sing it as I did Chapter 26, but it's sort of uh, divided up into three parts, so it's a trifurcation. So there is some shifting from time, place, and circumstance, so be prepared for that. Righto, Mr. Ross. Hardwater, Part 3, It's Got to be Sacred, Chapter 27. Day two through day four, and not sure how many days more consisted of a never-ending effort to rewire my own internal wiring. More often than I could have imagined, a jarring upchuck of blinding fear mixed in with a whitish, yellowy light told me to pick up my rifle, told me to take aim, told me to pull the trigger, told me to thrust and stab, told me to go for the Adam's apple, told me no more screaming, told me be cold as ice, told me I would somehow live through this holy shithole of a war where brother kills brother, if I keep my powder dry. The transcendentalist had it right, gain inspiration from the sublime energy of nature walk in the woods, regard the bold onslaught of daffodils, crocuses, the stiff peonies, regard the red-capped flicker tip-tap and extract sticky sap from the Norwegian spruce, the black squirrel inspect his nest of leaves inside the gargantuan storm-felled red oak. Each day brought a new voice to my skull and ears, the voice of day three shall address you forthwith. Speak, speak, I've got nothing to say at this moment, sir, so for now I shall say nothing. Nothing from nothing comes nothing. You gotta have something if you want to be with me. Point taken, responds the gnome. A Greekish linen toga hangs hooked from his shoulder knobs, and Greekish leather sandals encase his bunioned feet. You will have to maintain the same strict attention to the reality of your situation as you did do yesterday. But today we add acupuncture to speed the release of the toxin terrors, of the toxic terrors in your spleen, your kidneys, your liver, your loins. Are you afraid of needles, son? No. I used to be, but I got used to them. Good. So the dealio daddio is that I will probe your psyche with questions and you will answer them to the best of your knowledge. Understood? Yes. Splendid. Let's begin. Why are you here? I was lured here by that animal and by the sound of music. How long have you been here? Your guess is as good as mine. Now, let's not be a wiseacre. I'll ask you again. How long have you been here? Here? Now? Nod, nod. About twelve minutes, I suppose. Pause. When did you come to the cave? Several days ago. Favorite meal? Stromboli from Santino's. Favorite beverage? Strawberry milk. Ah, uh, the Remy Chateau, 2002. What happened to your hand? Warfare. How do you maintain your equipoise? I pray a lot. Are your prayers answered? Sometimes. Such as? 
Hollywood, ba 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 Hollywood. I'm not understanding. I forgive you. Do you forgive yourself? Sometimes. What has to happen to make that happen? Got to shake hands with grace. Precisely. And where do you find grace? Pause. In the strangest places. Yeah, like where? In a yawn, in a crow caw, in a tree limb, in the light dim, and in the direct center of the ineffable. Ah, yes, forgot me not, I am dealing with a Joycean. Possibly. And you killed many? We all did. We all do. But we try not to. Sometimes, that's true. But maybe in your killing you were saving too, and you're off to... Just a sec, I've got it right here. Cincinnati? Is that so? Yes. Do you dance the do-si-do? No. Well, you really should. When you get the chance, trounce on down to the Midway Amusement Park, where you can join a coterie of dancers who really know how to shimmy and shake their booties to the boogaloo. Sounds interesting. I've always wanted to do that. Bingo, bango, Hudson Fuss Incorporated. Come on down. The next third Thursday of the month. Now get ready. Here comes another needle. Just a little pinch. And things went on like that. A steady unspooling of my consciousness. Clarity bringing truth to doubt and plenty of primal screams I won't subject you to now. As I've got to get over to the shed where I'm to complete crafting a lanyard for my mother. In her favorite colors of pink and blue. The sun is shining and I can hear my dear mama say, I'm grateful for you. And I say, don't cry. Remember, Mama, I'm a lucky one. I walk through the valley of the shadow of death and survive and thrive. For your sake, son, oh, how I hope that's true. And sometimes I see a seagull coasting solo up the river. That's a gift. Sometimes I witness the sun bathing the pre-budding maples in the late afternoon. That's also a gift. Sometimes I regard the box turtle's orange eyes feverishly surveying the woods in slow motion. On the prowl for the soon-to-bloom May apples, the jack-in-the-pulpit, and the ring-a-ding-ding. That's right, you were a ring-ding man, ho! And you, sir? No, let me guess, a Charleston Chew? Nope. Well, sometimes. A hostess ho-ho? Nope. The inimitable Goldenberg's peanut chews? Rarely. No, my friend, I was a devotee of the inimitable devil dog. Did you take milk with that? They could be dry. The milk was key, I'll agree. How's about the tasty cake, coffee cake with a K, eh? Delicious or what? A fine choice. Shall we ring for one? If that's a possibility. Anything is possible here, my friend. Embrace the ineffable. You have reached that place of the in-between, where all is nothing and nothing is all, and where you are bravely undergoing anatomization. As I've often said, it was either you or them left to molder in a short and shallow grave. The gloriously greedy, false patriots came to find the solitary nickel from thine pocket did shine. And down they went the golden road of unlimited devotion to pay a visit to old lady trainer's general store for packets of hard candy, chocolates, and a baker's dozen of lengths of black licorice with which they walked on out to the Hannam Road and parked their butts on the balustrade of the bridge and dangled long lengths of licorice, mere inches from the surface of the roiling stream, which housed the brown bass and the crayfish and the salamanders and the mollusk-like creatures clinging to the underside of million-year-old rocks worn down thin and good for throwing. And Io said, Well now, Flam, I'll give you this hank of licorice if you sprint down that road right quick and let me wing this rocket you. You'll give me that whole hank? That's right, Flam. All you got to do is run. That away. And you'll give me the licorice? I said I would, didn't I? How do I know? 
No what, Flem, if you're going to give me the licorice. So give me half now, and then I'll run, and you can't throw till I get to the end of the bridge. Flem held the licorice halfway between his teeth and sprinted in a zigzag pattern. The third rock clipped him halfway up the back of his noggin and bled profusely. Well, I'll be, said Flem. You best give me that hank of licorice now, Io. And Io gave Flem the licorice, and in the midst of the transaction, Flem secretly slipped a hunk of masticated gristle into the pocket of Io's pants. Pause. Pause. Come back, little Sheba. It appears you have been abducted by a swarm of drones. You'd be better off to follow the example of that lost and lonely seagull plying its trade above the river. I wouldn't call them lost. They know where they're going. Touché, you didn't take the bait. That's good. Indeed, you are getting better. The subject is getting better. Yes, in the, in the back? Yes, sir. With all due apologies, sir, how can you say the subject is getting better when he has not come forth with any more details of the bloodlettings he's exacted upon the enemy? A chorus of indeterminate, yeah. With all due respect, sir, we've heard little more details and continual references to the one-eyed praying mantis. Yeah! Well, hold your horses there, gentlemen. Hold your horses. The man asked a fair question, and I asked for your consideration whilst I reply. Sir, the subject, though not specifically describing his own nexus of terror, does, however, do something he was virtually incapable of two days prior to your observation. He spoke. He described, as you say, repeatedly the rapacious nature of the one-eyed praying mantis. In fact, when he really loses himself in la-la land, his tremor almost vanishes completely. Hear, hear, and jurisprudence. You may think, sir, that licorice and ho-hos and salamanders are inconsequential, but let me tell you, my friend, these very bits and bobs are what his inner maladies cling to. Gosh darn it, man, it's as if you've never heard or read a word of my past lectures on regeneration. Uh, to his defense, sir, Kavanaugh was not present for the introductory lectures. None of them? That is correct, sir. Well, that's a bunch of horse pucky. And yet he has the balls, the spine, the chutzpah to question me and my 31-odd years of research into this malady. He's Australian, sir. Australian? What in God's green acres does that have to do with it, Australian? I don't care if he's Alsatian. I don't care if he hangs his hat in Halifax. What I do care about is if some one of you are to ask me a question, any question, then at least... Prepare by having read my prior treatise on those who have come before. Did I read, ponder, and absorb the pontificates of Plato? You betcha. Did I soak up the works of Pliny the Elder? Je fais, je fais. Did I devour my Diderot, my Ibsen, my Petrarch, my Poe? Huh? You're darn right I did. Any other questions? Yes, over on the side there. More like killing them softly, I'd say. What? Eh? What was that? Speak, you lily-livered scoundrel. I said, what did you say? Huff and stuff and penny later. What? Unhand this man. God, God, arrest this man for a behavior befitting a rogue conspirator. Off with his head, I tell you. Off with his head. An extra-long shepherd's crook extends silently from stage right and gathers in the rabble-rouser. Forthwith, he is pulled off stage, but not before bellowing. You're off your head, mister. You're making the poor lad worse. Look at him shake and quake, just like a newborn lamb. Upon the agitators exit, the rest of the audience and I join the speaker on stage. Are you all right, lad? 
he asks. I think so. Well, I think you're doing a fine job, and to celebrate we have a range for... He snaps his fingers, and a serving table stacked with terrace platters of devil dogs and ring dings suddenly occupies stage center. Beverages include cranapple juice, milk, or hot rooibos tea. The whereabouts of the yodels remains forever ensconced in mystery. And I do feel better. He is right. The more I talk, the more my mortal terrors evaporate from the tortured framework of my haunted mind. I want to go home. I'm almost there. Sixteen miles to the river and then another fourteen to Ridgeo. But they tell me several more sessions will truly get me ready to cross the mighty, mighty Ohio. They ply me with the foodstuffs of my youth. Stromboli from Santino's, cheesesteaks from Berwyn Pizza, cinnamon donuts, bottomless brown plastic pitchers of sugar water. Casey's roast beef sandwiches slathered in horseradish and gravy. Oven-hot, sticky buns from the Kimberton Inn. Two eggs over easy atop a long rectangle of scrapple. Rye toast with melted squares of butter and blueberry jelly. Pancakes on the side, please. Gulping in the rarefied air of the Rittenhouse Diner. The beat goes on. A long elysium of sights and sounds and feelings. Valley Creek current deliver us down to the hidden river. Late night tree fort feasts of chips ahoy cookies as we camped among the swaying canopy of pin oaks and poplars. Conquering the wilderness, sloshing tadpoles and pollywogs home to my boon companion's basement aquarium. Running through the tall grass with our dogs down in the nursery. Small chihuahua carcass. Spying on Mr. Johansson, carving initials into beech trees. Spinning Daisy Jane over and over and over again. Watching raccoons scarf Cheetos off Spian's back patio. Playing tackle football down at the church. Street hockey, barn ball, wiffle ball, sugar water, stromboli from Santino's, Al K. Seltzer. Charles Chips. Pause. Impossible dreams of the possible. Shake, rattle, and roll. Let the good times roll. Let them spin you around. Upper right corner. Dynasty. Desperately in love. Double dynasty. And now let's look at the Ohio of our subject's youth. Orange, red, maple, leaf, blazing, grand, electric buzz in the blood. So in love. And I'm even starting to put on weight. When you first got here, you were a mere will-o'-the-wisp. Now look at ye. Enough meat on you to wipe the unbelieving stares off your kinfolk's faces. Good on ye, lad. Now let's get back to bringing your nightshades to the light of day. The tables were taken away. The slow-to-exit crowd grew gregarious with one another as they shared their appreciation for the indulging of their sweeter teeth. I was glad to see them go. Oh, my darling Ruth, thought I. Oh, my darling Azo, Angel, Orchard, and Ma. I'm a mere 32 miles distant. I have to unload some more baggage in this subterranean adidum before I can bring it on home to you. How exactly I would accomplish that crossing had not come to me yet. My latest counselor, a Mr. Ed, said, By the time we get done with you here, you'll be so hollowed out, you'll be able to walk across that river. Maybe so, I thought. 
stranger things have happened in the course of history. I won't lift you up And I won't take you down Be quiet as the mouse in church, and you won't hear sound. I know it's been heavy. I know you carry a real home, but I'm lighter than nothing. songs you just don't want to end. You heard Kyle Morton of the band Typhoon singing What Will Save You. Thanks again to our musicians for today, Miss Jen Grant of Halifax, Nova Scotia, and Mr. Kyle Morton 
and the band Typhoon from Portland, Oregon. This has been Mortimer Page. Thank you, Mortimer. This has been another episode of Book Smart with Douglas Day. Peace.